0: You're listening to Life in Our Skin, a podcast created for women in the middle. Here, we discuss unique perspectives of our American experience, living between the white and black communities. I'm Lisa
1: Harris. And I'm Anahita Champion. Join us as we share life in our skin, raw and unedited.
0: welcome back everybody we are back again with another incredible episode of life in our skin and checking in on you my dear co-host how are you doing anahita hey
1: girl i'm good still (laughs) dealing with this super sexy i think we're gonna have several episodes with this like voice maybe i could like take up a phone line side gig (laughs) I feel you
0: you. my voice is still a little raspy
1: I like it but otherwise doing well um you know what was on my mind though is sometimes in these conversations we talk about like food like what food is your family eating um who you're married to and the culture within your household and your child like childhood experiences and things like that and um career has really been on my mind a lot lately yeah yeah because I'm in this transition of starting to really want to exit out of full-time entrepreneurship. I just celebrated 10 years of working for myself. That's a big deal. Crazy. Like yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to post this on LinkedIn. Like, wow, I've been starting. I'm some form or fashion of work for myself. Not all of it's full-time, maybe about seven years of it is full-time. But i'm tired i'm tired of running the show i'm tired of like running the website and the admin and the sales and the frickin finance part I hate it it's just like. i'm tired <laughs> and by the time I have to like create space for the fun stuff i am trained and I don't want to do it right so anyways. that's what's going on i've been interviewing and applying and I and I have this you know contract job that's starting, but you know what I thought of I thought of you when I was filling out the application. Of course you thought of me. <laughs> they make you at they make you check the damn box
0: yes we the had a whole episode box. on that
1: the box lisa i the had box. to check the box and you know what sometimes there's four options sometimes there are eight but you know what there isn't a persian box and unfortunately middle eastern middle of where i don't even freaking understand <clears throat> southwest asian which they use the term middle eastern is under the white category so i've been checking the damn white box lately because i'm just too damn tired to even have the conversation with myself check other right in iranian that's what's going on
0: that is i get it i get it i i am i have been talking about the darn check the box forever and the funny thing is, in in our family, as you know, Anahita, I'm multiracial and in our family, there have been at different times in our lives where we have actually checked different boxes. And I have two other sisters and there have been times when at the same point in time, we have individually all checked different boxes. So it is a big discussion with women in the middle. And I know for certain, that our next guest who you all will love and adore as much as we do that she definitely has her own opinion on this topic so anahita you want to introduce i do our next
1: guest i'm so excited for you to chat with her more too lisa but this is my mm-hmm. dear friend asia brand she is in california and she is my fellow persian american sister welcoming asia what's up girl hi.
2: hi how are you guys hi.
1: good <laughs> Happy. you're, you were excited. Not you're happy. agreeing you're over there like yes mm-hmm. okay yeah,
2: i literally was holding my tongue like amen <laughs> like i'm i'm with you you know <laughs> i was waiting for you to introduce me first but i was like oh,
1: ah, oh, i have something to say yeah so, so tell okay what, what box do you check like when you're on these okay forms? So
2: it's funny you say that because i've actually been testing different things out because i've also been looking for a possible new opportunity and so I've been testing like, do I hear more back? I have like a whole spreadsheet when I mark two or more races or do I hear back more when I say Caucasian or white? So I've been doing my own little experiment. Um, so far, I've only heard back from when I checked the white box, but oh. it's, it's very small sample size. So I don't want to say that's like the trends. Be. I've been testing it because I'm like, I was like, dude, I literally have had people look over my resume. I feel like my experience is pretty good. Why am I just getting rejected all the time? Obviously there's a million reasons, but I was like, could it be that we still have race issues in the workplace? (laughs)
0: Let me
2: try try marking this white box because I have been definitely, I used to like, be against it, you know, like yeah. I'm not marking white because I'm standing against like trying to. I feel like, like, like your podcast says, like, we are the people, the women, men in the middle, like, there isn't anything for us, but yeah. yet people treat us as if we are indeed a person of color or we are different than a white, you know, traditional white person. Right. And so I kind of my stance against that is like, no, I'm marking two or more races or other, like you said. <laughs> and i was just like hmm maybe maybe that is it but of course that was probably not i don't know if it's it or not but
1: which I is frustrating because it makes you think and well for you you can check two or more boxes right because you're yeah, i'm white well, and iranian. i'm an iranian you're mixed i'm persian american yeah <clears throat> okay well i'm gonna loop back with you because now we're just curious like well, where's I don't the know. next job gonna come from <laughs>
2: like I said I don't know if I'll ever get a big enough sample size to make a you know like a trend analysis but uh it did spark those thoughts for sure
0: so I'm curious since we're talking about this I'm curious within your extended family or friend group or anything like that women like yourself who are mixed race right I'm, I don't know if that is even necessarily the right term but I don't mind being called mixed race but um, multiracial, if you know what they check, um, any of your friends who are mixed, Irene, Irene Iran, Iranian, yes, I do know how to say She's it, working my on it. my co-host is, um, and white, you know, like that mix. Do you know what other people are checking? I don't know. I don't know.
1: I have a few friends that will adamantly check other and write in Iranian, because, yeah,
2: because we are, we're proud of our heritage, we're proud of our race, you know. It's you kind of like pride.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very That's identifiable, so right? Yeah. <clears throat> Middle Eastern, well, there's a whole episode on this. It's the Women of Color Check the Box episode, but Lisa and yeah. I share facts and history about where the term Women of Color came from and also where the term um, Middle Eastern came from and then original, like race. There were only three races at the time of origin. And it was oh. like, you know, a very European white male like root of how the term came to be and they were like oh the middle of the European but on the eastern side and I'm like "Wait, what know, we're southwest Asian please put that box there otherwise I will check other and write Iranian right exactly I think so it gets my crazy. mood of the day how feisty am I that morning I know, I know I know
0: I'm feeling feisty too I'm just trying to decide what I should say <laughs>
1: So let's go back so, a few years. Let's yeah. go back to Little Asia. What was tell us like we love asking people like, what was Little Asia like? Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? What did you wear? What color what did you do? Like just help us paint a picture.
2: Yeah. Uh well, I grew up in Minneapolis, uh suburb. So I'm from Minnesota. Um, and I would say if I had to describe myself in like a few words as a kid, I would say I was super spunky. I was really goofy and I think I still am today carried that through my life um I was into uh, like I loved I had a big imagination so I was always playing I loved to play by myself you did not have to entertain me I would sit in my room and play all day by myself and I would have a whole world going on in my room my mom would like come check on me like are you still okay you know and I'm like <laughs> in another universe um And yeah, I, I was just like, you know, I like any other happy kid, just happy being goofy. I was outdoors a lot,
1: you know, big imagination. Were you the only, are you the only child in your family? No, I'm actually the youngest.
2: I have an older sister, but we're only one year apart. So we were very much like oil oil and water growing up. We were very opposite, even though we're so close in age. So you talked,
0: you talked about being imaginative and spunky so were you more of an introvert or more of an extrovert because it mad it depends on
2: um, I, know. I would say I was pretty extroverted like okay. I'm pretty outgoing as a kid and I would just talk to people and but I, I I don't know I always tell myself even today that I'm an introverted or I'm an extroverted introvert because I still like my alone time yeah. and I like but I get very charged up from being around people, okay. know, you know? So that's kind of how yeah. I keep it. But I also get yeah. charged up by just, I don't know, resting, you know? Yeah. Like, and well, closing think the door and
1: playing that. with all your toys. You're like, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> like my husband came in last night. Cause he, you know, he works kind of late, but he came, a little earlier than normal. So he came around like 8.15 last night. And I was already in bed in the dark, just watching <laughs> The Crown on Netflix. The Crown. And I'm ditching The Crown right now. And he's like, why is it, why are you in the dark? Like <laughs> just watching, and he's like, it's only 8.15. Why aren't you watching TV in the living room or something out in the open? I'm like, I don't know. There's just something about being in my little nest. You know, Of like, I just, I, it's comfortable. I just want to be alone right now after being overstimulated by my son. Yep. You know, like, I think it's partly because I'm overstimulated
1: with, All you know, managing time. The over the- yeah, exactly. and, and like, when you think back to little, I wonder, it's like, how were your parents feeling? Did they mind that you were in your room playing for hours on the sleeve? Did they enjoy I did that you did that? I,
2: know. I, I was like, man, they were lucky because I wish my son would be like, mom, I'm going to go play in my room for hours.
1: <laughs> so what <laughs> was that like? What was that like growing up as a, as a, um child and sibling in a multicultural home because you're um and (laughs) in Minnesota
2: (laughs) yeah it was interesting um I always knew that I was a little different than my friends like my especially my white friends just because on the weekends they would you know go up north or they had a cabin or they would um be in the soccer leagues and stuff and like I don't I would say my my dad and mom didn't really know like how to traditionally do that, like how to get your kid in like a big soccer league or something. And a lot of times we would go visit our extended family. You know, my grandmother who lived in the apartments in Fridley and stuff. And so it it was just a little different because the uh, the Persian culture is just different. I don't know how to explain it. I was just doing different things. I was, you know, like tea time was always a thing in my household. Like, you know, around three, four PM we sat and had tea. Um There was a value of hard work. So there was a lot of working around the house on the weekends and my, my friends didn't really have to do a whole lot of that. So it was just a lot of different, uh, routines, I would say, but also just the hobbies of the parents weren't the same with mine as my friends, you know? So I think that translated me just on the weekends and after school doing a lot of different things than my friends.
0: That's really interesting. We have not talked about that component, the component of our parents' hobbies. Yeah. So I'm really curious if you're open to expanding more on that um, in your in kind of in more detail, if you can share more of an example of a story of their hobbies and how that was really different, maybe than your friends, and maybe how that impacted you.
2: Oh yeah, I definitely would love to talk about this because it impacted me a lot. Like I didn't realize it as a kid, but as an adult I see and the, as a kid it, I hated it. It sucked a lot of times. But as an adult I see the value in how my dad was teaching me about discipline. Discipline, focus, hard work was the three things always talked about in our house. Discipline, <laughs> hard work, focus. You know, those are the keys to success and determination. You know, he would switch around the words a little bit. But um so An example would be like my dad, like, and I would say this is probably a lot for um, many cultures, but Iranian culture for sure, is that my dad was extremely frugal. He didn't believe in, sometimes I would say you don't believe in fun to him because it was like no bowling, like even things (gasps) like, let's go do this with family, no bowling, no movies. He would take us to the dollar movie theater if he were to do something fun. (laughs) No, we would be like, can we get even a Burger King? And he would be like, no, not that nasty American food. Oh, they always have
1: to have a commentary with everything. And it's like a seven minute spiel.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) you know, there was just not a whole lot of doing things that cost money in our house. Um, It was a lot of, hey, let's go on a five hour bike ride together. Let's go play tennis. There was a lot of activities. But then during the weekends, like my dad owned a lot of rental properties when I was um, growing up. And so I remember one summer, he would when he would go to work. Or on the weekends when he was home, he would make me scrape the sides of the his apartment building. Because before that, before the vinyl paneling that would became popular, it was in the 90s. It was just like paint on wood, you know. And so he would like want to redo the paint job on his homes. But he didn't want to invest in vinyl paneling. He was just going to repaint the house. So he would make me scrape the house with these little scrapers to get all the like old paint chips off. And it would take these like day long projects. I'm like, dude, this is child labor. It
0: (laughs) it, is. No, it's not. (laughs) Not according to your dad and many, many fathers like that. Yeah. And he didn't
2: have boys. So at the time yeah. I, I'm like, why am I doing this? But then I grew up realizing like, oh, this would have been a brother's job for sure. I probably would have been treated more like a daughter or like a girl if I had brothers, but he didn't have any boys. Yeah. So, um, I just remember like things like that. And I would tell my friends like, oh yeah, I had to help my dad at his rental properties this weekend. Or, um, oh yeah, I helped my dad like, um, build his shed. And my friends would be like, What? Like things like that, it was just very like, you need to learn how to use your hands. You need to learn that like, there's a schedule to life. Like you have to get used to working long hours. So I'm gonna help you with that. Like he, it was very like intense as far as fun. There's a time for fun, but right now you need to work hard and you need to understand the value of focus and determination, hard work and discipline. Oh my God, that (laughs) is
1: ingrained in your poor brain. (laughs)
0: yeah what was that again can you say that one more time <laughs> Those four. Really?
2: it's not a great in your head yet Come on. Oh God. <laughs> but um oh. so things like that were like definitely it shaped me to be it kind of is like you get one extreme uh you know some kids you know are on the other side where their kids their parents maybe just let them have a lot of fun and wanted them to play and have like a fun childhood with no work you know because there's a time for work you know later in life my parents were kind of the opposite. So having that like experience with a preliminary, like a primary, like primary, like white community that I grew up in and seeing that. And then also having my experience, it helps me better now as a parent to be like, what is the happy middle? You know, I don't want my son to look back on his life as a kid and be like, wow, like I'm, I feel like I was always the kid looking out the window, seeing my friends playing when I was
0: having to oh, clean. Their own. How like, heartbreaking! Yeah, that's too. a visual.
1: Yeah. Did yeah. your mom work while you were growing up, or did she stay yeah. home? Yeah,
2: so that's the other thing. My mom and dad were separated, although it didn't always feel that way to me because my dad and mom—my dad was always over. He was like heavily in my life, so they were separated, but they were amazing co-parents. Oh. And um, but my mom—so my mom did work. My mom was a single mom working, and my dad was in his own way, single dad working. So um, yeah, I had both working parents growing up.
0: So it's interesting, I like to ask you because I come from um, a multiracial home, Were there times where it was confusing on their messaging to you based on maybe their own cultural or their own um, kind of how they grew up and knew the world, because your mom was white and your dad was Iranian?
2: Yeah. And I think that was like a big point of tension for them as co-parents. Like now that I look back, yeah. you know, my mom would always say like, I don't care what you do. As long as you're, ha- if you want to flip burgers at Burger King and be happy, I don't care what you do. And know, <sighs> my dad would be the one being like unacceptable. <laughs> you be, you. <laughs> you know, it was always in my up uh, being uh, raised. I was always told I'm expected to be a lawyer and my sister was expected to be the doctor. So it was almost like, uh, my from my dad's perspective and how I felt with my dad, my life was already planned out for me Mm -hmm. with my mom, though. It felt a little bit more free that, oh, my mom just wants me to be happy. You know, so
0: I can totally relate to that like a million gazillion times, because in my household, my mother, who is Filipino, was always like the black gown before the white gown. You got to get your graduation. You got to get your degree before you put on that wedding dress. And you need to get an education, da 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 da, da. Yeah. And then my dad, who it has indigenous roots, but is mostly white. And for him, it was more like, you know, just get through school and you know, school's important, but it wasn't like the hammer down message that my mom was constantly delivering over and over and over that was overriding kind of what my dad was saying.
2: Exactly. So, it was
0: interesting.
2: Yeah, my dad, what my dad would say would override it because it just felt like it felt way more structured than my mom just saying, I just want you to be happy. Like, right. there was, like, it almost felt like my dad was guiding me a little more, of like, even if it's like a very strict way. And my mom was just like, I just want you to be happy. Do whatever you want. You know, like, as a kid, it felt more like, Oh well he's telling me the steps one two three my mom is just kind of leaving it open-ended so i didn't you know you're not really processing it that way as a kid but looking back you can see like oh i see why it would feel overridden like on my dad's side because yeah. he was telling me the steps of like no you need to do this you need to do this
1: this is the expectations you know it was Which so is- dominant with those four pillars of success <laughs> And <that's laughs> always, like- always. what did that look like like in school and in and, and college Um, well, I'll say
2: this. Um, I, I got into the university of Minnesota as a PSEO student. I was like one of the only four kids in Minnesota that got in. So you can imagine, like, there was just a lot of expectation on me of like, you need to get into college. You need to, you know, be the best. And it was weird because again, like I had one side of me saying like, just be happy, enjoy life. And one side of me of like, you know, so there was that paradigm, but, So a lot of times I would be at school and just be bored out of my mind, you know, and not just like being like, I just am ready for the next thing. But then I I also would go after things to get approval from my dad. Like, cause it was always like, I just want to make him happy. I want to make him proud. It wasn't necessarily that I was doing it for myself. I didn't know. I was literally like a robot. I felt like I was like programmed to like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. And as long as I reach those goals, I can breathe a little. You know, that's kind of how like you get into this mode. I got into this mode of just like, okay, I just need his approval. As long as I have his approval and he's happy, I will, I can like breathe a little. And then I would see that in college, I was a lot of times not happy. I wasn't really caring about my grade, like I got a 3.2 GPA graduation. I probably could have gotten in a 4.0, but I just remember just being in always like a weird mental state of just like tired. Yeah, and you're I, drained from having uh, to prove yourself.
1: Yeah, probably exactly.
2: So. It was, It was. I look in that really like, I've had to deal with things in my adulthood of like trying to unravel how much that impacted me of constantly needed some, someone's approval and how that's played a role in my professional life, played a role in my marriage of like this perfectionism, this people pleasing, like though there are consequences to like doing those, that like that intense of like putting those uh, intense expectations on your kids. Yeah, And I know that my dad with his culture, he meant well, you know, he was doing what he thought he needed to do because he's an immigrant. He's like, I'm trying to make sure you are successful and you don't have the same struggles like he did out of love. But when you do it in such an extreme way, unfortunately, there's positive and negative consequences to that. And I still dealt with that in my life.
1: Well, it's probably what he knows too, like from when he grew up totally different country, totally different time.
2: Yeah. I mean, the fact that, I mean, it was expected that you get good enough grades and get a visa so you can come study in America. You know, that was the expectation. Like I couldn't even imagine, can you imagine? Like, (laughs) I I mean, so many people do it, but I think about that a lot of like, you are bred to and expected to go to a whole other country and start a life like that is insane for me to think about like I don't I've never had that lot. like I think that's just so admirable that's like people are so strong and they have the willpower to like literally transfer all that they know to somewhere else and start somewhere new you know like yeah
1: so he wanted he wanted those four pillars of success (laughs) executed to also make sure his child was taken care of um but as you said it like eventually got over overwhelming and you were just for like super overstimulated and drained
2: yeah and you also are living in a world where you see your friends they have these really nice new cars they have their college paid for they uh get to go on a lot of like spring break vacations paid for like their money wasn't an issue for a lot of my friends but i as a second generation iranian like in america like i didn't have those luxuries. My parents couldn't afford to send me to college. You know, they did a lot for me, but they unfortunately didn't have the means to do all of that. And so you live in this world where you see there's so much privilege around you and people are literally just enjoying life. And you're trying to like, so I was in a, like a middle ground of like trying to live this American life that all my friends get to live as if, you know, like money isn't a thing or like I can party on the weekends and be in class at 6, to 7 a.m. the next day. And then also be making sure I live up to the expectations of my parents, you know?
0: Yeah, it's definitely a um, a delicate balance that a lot of women, women in the middle or multiracial women, have to manage. And what I thought was most beautiful about what you said as a narrative coach is hearing your own growth in kind of telling the story back, right? So you recognize the points in your life where it made it really challenging and how it changed you. But you also can see on your own growth journey that there is a reason, there was love behind it. There's a lot to admire about a journey that you don't even understand that's made you who you are, good and bad, right? So, and that's like, that just warms my heart with the work that I do because, there's a lot of challenges in being women in the middle and managing all these cultural expectations and and how the world sees you, how you see yourself, how your parents, it's all there all the time. Mm-hmm. And so to understand that, to be able to speak to it and share it with other women, but then also to know like there is all this beautiful, there's so much beauty in, in what we're experiencing, um, having that in our lives. And so, you know, growth and healing comes from being able to see the journey that they had to go through even if it was hard. Um, it's a so.
1: lot of unraveling, I mean just like you said yeah. Aisha, and that's what Lisa does a lot with one of her programs uncover your truth. It's you're literally doing this activity with her to go through your life timeline and you're like identifying and unraveling and uncovering like all these different pillars that maybe have been extremely high or extremely low. And then somewhere in the midst of it, you're like, well, who am I like uh, finding yourself? So it's a it's a lot to take on. Um, So I was going to ask you that, like, at what point did you feel like I need to do my own thing? Like, I need to listen to what my mom was saying, find my own joy, um, whether that was with career or school or with your beautiful family that you have now. What did that finding yourself journey look like? And are you still on it?
2: Yeah, I would say I definitely am still on it. It began um, when I started, I, I started my career at Target Corporation and, you know, starting in the corporate world because I didn't end up being a lawyer. I disappointed my dad with that one. But, you know, the next thing was build or uh, go up the ladder in corporate America. Like that was kind of the next okay thing you can do to please him. And so I started in corporate America and I remember in my first year or so working nine to five, I literally couldn't stop thinking about I'm going to do this for the next 40 years.
1: right? You know,
2: like it just was a big culture shock for me. Like, even if I was an intern, I was intern. I interned on multiple places. You know, I, I already had work experience. I had been working since I was 16, but just, I don't know. It hit me like, wow, I have to do this for 40 more years. That really is what made me be like, it made me wake up to be like, wait, I have not even like, I didn't, I didn't necessarily enjoy what I was doing at the time. So I, it made me wake up and be like, what am I doing?
1: Mm. Like,
2: how did I get here? Like, am I like, how, I don't want to do this for the next 40 years, you know? And then it made me start on the journey of like, well, what do I want? Who am I? Like, what actually makes me happy for the first time when I, it was, so I, I was about 23, 20, but 22, 23. And it was the first time I allowed myself to say, what are my dreams? I never was really taught to dream. My, you know, so deep, but you know, from generational, uh, or um, just like you know how our parents grew up. You know, my mom, our parents grew up in a time where working, especially as women, was a pr- like was really awesome, and it right. was like, hey, we're in the working class. We all get to be in the working class, and so there wasn't really room, even from my mom's perspective perspective to dream a little because you were just like, oh, I get to work and I get to be an equal to a man. Like there's still something there with that. And then my dad, you know, of course uh, was always just putting on me what his expectations were. And so I realized like, whoa, I've never allowed myself to dream of like what I want to be and what I want to do. And so it started this whole unraveling. Uh, And there was a lot of tension with myself and my dad for a while when I was just like, I don't, want to be a big CEO and work at the same place for 25 years. (laughs) I don't want, I want to, I realize like, I do want to be my own boss someday, but I want to do it in things I'm interested in, like fashion and design and marketing, you know, and that, so that's how I ended up leaving merchandising and buying at Target. And I now I'm a marketer, but anyway, I just, that was the first time i actually felt like i woke up and i i was like i'm like i was my robotic self was
0: not programmed anymore. yeah <laughs> you
1: know
2: like I just, you it broke down a
0: little bit in order to
1: fix itself yeah an awakening right it's yeah, like an, an enlightening awakening. moment
2: yeah that's a better word i'm like yeah like i just felt awakened was is a great word for it of like whoa, I have no idea who I am. I've literally been living in the middle for so long of like trying to be like passing as someone who could be white, but not, you know, like always being the black sheep among my friends who are literally all blonde, looking different than the average American, but also living in this culture where there's heavy expectations on me. Like I realized all of that in that season that I was living in the middle of this whole, like, and I just, I just didn't know yeah, I was literally just living. And then I feel like, yeah, I was awakened to the, my reality. And, um, and it was things I always felt growing up, but I didn't know. I wasn't mature enough to understand it. And yeah. I felt like now it started on a journey of understanding how everything in my life had affected me, had shaped me, had conf- helped like made me conform to certain things. And then the unraveling began, you know, yeah. and I started being like, it was. You know, Anahita, you know, like growing up, i we've talked about this story before where I was afraid to tell people I was Iranian because I grew I it was I was entering middle school at the time of
1: awkward. Um, Everything was awkward.
2: 9/11. And so it oh, was yeah. so I a lot of times would tell people I'm like Hispanic. Yeah. I would just
1: whatever you know, worked for you.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: whatever worked for me. And it was like in that there's beauty of like also accepting, like and being proud of my heritage and my Mm -hmm. race you know that it was also the beauty of that journey of like now I shout my race from the rooftops ask me 10 12 years ago I would have been like the same story
1: you know you know what's so interesting I so we had our 20-year high school reunion not long ago and I and it was like in the weeks leading up to that I was looking at some of the people who RSVP'd going through the yearbook and I'm like (gasps) oh my gosh this whole time i thought there were just two asian kids three black kids me and like someone else and then i looked and i'm like she's multicultural she's mixed he's mixed i don't know their ancestral origin but i'm like we all just lied to each other because of denial needing to fit in it's uncomfortable it just is like yeah but that title that like field of in the middle wasn't really even spoken about until you're older which is just bonkers
2: yeah Yeah. and luckily we're in a time now where it's like people are more aware that there are you know they're more accepting and open to like people of different races and there's not just these big major categories of like you're either asian white black like you know there's there's so much more to us than those three big category you know main race categories that I think we've all been like succumbed to in the past um so it's beautiful that we live in this time where yeah. people are a little bit more aware of hey there's more than just three race categories
1: or five race categories right, right. and and like advocating for each other too yeah you know yeah that's our whole oh, goal here.
0: this is so beautiful This is why I love these conversations, Anahita. (laughs) I know.
1: Real quick, can you share with us um, what your household looks like today? Because I know you're a mama and a wifey.
2: So my husband, do you want to know like race or just whatever you want to share? Whatever you want to share. (laughs) (laughs) My my husband and I and our four-year-old son. So we're also interracial couples. So my husband is black. And so my son is a beautiful mix of black, white, Persian oh, he's just so beautiful. So, so
1: cute. Uh, so it's, it's been
2: a fun journey to teach my son about all yeah. he is. we've done like ancestral maps to show like where all his ancestors have come from, and like how to where he is in America right now. And it's like, so beautiful to see how many people have around the world, you know, feed into who my son is today. Like, oh, it is-
0: oh I'm gonna cry. <laughs>
2: beautiful picture. I'm so happy. Like, I can't wait for him to learn more about all of the different things that make him him, you know.
0: Oh, that's a wonderful way to end our conversation. Oh, well thanks,
1: girl. Delight
0: to meet you. Such a delight.
1: This is so, so fun. Okay. If people want to connect with you, what's a good place? Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta.
2: Yeah, um, I'm on Insta. My name is just Aisha Branch. So, at Asia Branch, and then LinkedIn would be the same. Just search me,
1: Asia Branch, and I'm on there. Not as well. just, it's a powerful. We'll find you, <laughs> Asia <laughs> Branch. Yeah. We'll throw that in our notes. Uh, well, thank you, honey, for spending time with us and enjoy that California sun. Um, Lisa, it is always a pleasure to have these convos with you. And we keep saying we need a part two, three, and four for every conversation.
0: I know. Oh. It's so true. So it's true. So thank true. you.
1: yes thank you guys so much yes all right everybody hope you enjoyed a little bit of what we were chatting about today and if it resonates let us know we'll keep the conversation going until next time bye everybody goodbye